part of what's on my heart today is the lessons that you learn from children. And this is how the Lord brought this message to be. Pray for me. Uh, we're going to go to a couple of passages, Matthew chapter 18, possibly Luke chapter 18. I, I want to begin in, in Matthew 18. And as you're turning there, I just I want to pray for us once again. Holy Father, Lord, I come before you, and my prayer is simple. Anoint this message. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we felt you. We felt the excitement of your presence, the blessing of your presence. But now, I just ask you to help me. There's a message here that only you can deliver. And just get myself out of the way, Lord. Open our hearts and minds to hear this simple truth that's profound as you've shown me, but I can't show the people. You have to. In Jesus' name, help us. Amen. Amen, amen. Matthew 18, let's dig right into this beautiful truth. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, unless you repent, that's what it's talking about, unless you become like children... You'll never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble who believes in me, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. There's profound truth here, brothers and sisters. The first thing that I feel compelled to point out is the question of the disciples might seem selfish or ridiculous or short-sighted or even sinful to us. They say, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? But I want you to understand there is something about heaven that we miss when we operate under the assumption that all we need to worry about regarding heaven is whether we have a ticket to get there. There, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't have the time to get into this today, and there's depths of this that I don't understand. But here's what I want to tell you. The purpose of this life is to prepare yourself to be ready for the presence of God. Amen. The less time you spend enjoying God's presence here, the less enjoyable His presence will be there. People don't usually preach stuff like this, but I believe it. And, and it, it can be supported with the, the uh, implicit teachings throughout Scripture. That's part of why they're asking. It's not just a sinful, selfish question. They want to know, how can we um, maximize what is pleasing to you when we're there? Yes. Jesus, as He often did, instead of answering their question directly, like we expect and like we tend to do, he answers a deeper question that they don't even realize they're asking. And he answers it with a very clear example. He calls to him a child. I love this. This is not an abstract teaching. This is tangible. He grabs an actual or calls to him a child. And Jesus wasn't standing behind a pulpit. He, he was probably seated. And he says, come here. Here, you want to come here, Mary Grace? Come here. He brings a little child up here to him. And they say, who's greatest? And he says, unless you become like this one, 
you won't make it into heaven. Do you see what profound truth he's telling? And, and he wants them to understand because they're relying on tradition and religious training and custom and all of these things that require effort. Yes. And he says this is the goal. Yes. This. And brothers and sisters, let me just like Jesus make this real. If we don't become like this child, we're not going to make it to heaven. Say, well, I'm already saved. Good. The only way you're saved is if you became like this at one point. Yes. If you didn't, you're not saved. Yeah. Thank you, sweetheart. And go back to mama. Now, Jesus, that child might have stayed up there the whole time he was talking. He says, unless you become like this child, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then, and that's, that's what I want to dwell on today what a child is like, and how they approach things. But before we... We're going to spend the rest of the message on that. Before we do, I want to finish the rest of this passage. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever... Now, King James Version says, whoever offends one of these. I want you to understand there's a depth of meaning here that we miss. And especially because the way language changes, the word offend, the way we use it now is not how it's being used here. We use the word offend to mean, uh, I do something you don't like. I make you uncomfortable or annoyed, and that's offensive. That's not what it's talking about. The word, uh, at, at its core, this literally means, and that's why I read a different translation, uh, it means to cause to stumble. We use this passage every time I've heard it quoted or preached. Somebody uses it to refer to a person who would dare harm or abuse a child being punished in this way. And I think it applies to those people. You don't need to hurt an innocent child. But we don't realize how it can apply to us. What Jesus is talking about is not necessarily a visible act of physical abuse, he's talking about doing anything that takes away their childlike faith and trust and innocence. Do you understand? And so, as I dug into this, I became convicted about some things. I would never intentionally harm a child, and most people, I hope nobody here would. If you would, maybe let me know and we'll take care of you. I'm serious. Hopefully nobody here would intentionally harm a child. But sometimes we harm them without meaning to. And that is the heart of this word. He said anybody who would allow any child, who would, anyone who would entice them to sin, anyone who would cause them to doubt what they know in their heart, Anyone who would take away their purity. Anyone who would take away their innocence. Anyone who would take away their faith. It's better for that man to have a millstone wrapped around his neck and drown in the, in the sea. It's not no big deal, brothers and sisters. And this thing, this is not the message, but I need to say this. This thing we have in our culture where people surrender their children to the state and to daycares and to child care centers and to school systems and have no idea what they're being programmed with is ungodly. You listen, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, anybody who has influence over children, you're responsible. You are responsible. 
the children who come through these doors, we're, we have some responsibility. Amen. Our culture, this, I'm old enough now that I think more about the future than I do the present. What kind of world are we leaving behind for the children? We're responsible. Yes. That's all in this teaching. Part of our job as adults is to be adults so the children don't have to. Right. You know that? Yes. This is heavy. I've heard people talk about subjecting their children to just terrible, ungodly environment and using the excuse, well, we're supposed to evangelize the world. No, you're supposed to. Children are supposed to be innocent. Yes. This, I'm not, this is not my opinion. Jesus said if you, if you cause a stumbling block, if you, if you cause them to sin, if you cause them to fall away, if you cause them... Here's one of the definitions when you look it up. To cause a person to begin to distrust the one in whom he ought to trust. Jesus says if you do that, you'd be better off being drowned. Jesus said that. What is our entire world system doing? It is brainwashing children to distrust the one being in whom they should trust, God. This is not... It's dangerous. And Sister Connie talked about the Old Testament people having idols and, and alluded to sometimes we have idols without realizing it. Brothers and sisters, this is one of our idols. Thinking that the state is responsible for our children. They're not. We are. We are. Shouldn't make them stumble. Now, there's another layer to this that, that is more subtle. It's less visible. It's just as pernicious. We need to beware of teaching cynicism to a child. We need to beware of putting on them our own disappointments. Some of us have become dissatisfied with church or the way things are or this or that. You need to be careful what you tell children. I'm not talking about lying to them. I'm talking about letting them be children. My mother was... I noticed that when I was young. When my brother and I were young, she, she was careful. And even as I got older, I'm a grown man preaching. And she's still careful what she says to me about church things. Because she's thinking, I don't want to influence him with any negativity. It, it, there's serious... Even though I'm not a little child and I stand on my own two feet, we need to be careful. There's things I tell my brothers with gray hair, like Brother Steve. Sometimes I talk to him in a free manner that I don't talk to young people that way. And sometimes I should probably just talk to God that way. <laughs> There's things we should be honest with the Lord about and not bring each other down about. All of this is in this teaching. There's also here, by the way, the word in King James that's translated offend is the Greek word skandalizo. You recognize that? It's scandalous. It's the same word we get scandalous or scandalized from. If you do anything to allow this child's existence to be scandalized, <sighs> children should be marked with purity and joy and happiness and they should be children. So with all that in mind... Let's talk about this for a moment. Let me give you a, a, a wording that I, I just, this was on my heart. If we cause one of these little ones to stumble or doubt or rob them of their innocence or do anything to take away their childlike faith, 
That's what this is talking about. So in light of that, I've been trying to be more careful how I answer things she asks me, you see, and other children. Sometimes I tell her, when you get bigger, I'll explain it. You know what I'm talking about? Corey Tenboom had this beautiful example. that She wanted to ask her, her father something very hard. And they were, I think, traveling, and, and he, he asked her to pick his bag up. And she grunted and couldn't pick it up. And he said, some, some things are too heavy for children to carry. And this question you're asking me is too heavy for you to carry. When you're big enough, I'll tell you. She was okay with that. You see, you see, there's wisdom that was in that interaction that I pray we would have more of. So let me ask you, with those things in mind, Jesus says, unless you become like this child, you won't enter heaven. What's a child like? I mean, a child that hasn't been corrupted. A child that hasn't been broken. There's a lot of broken children now, dysfunctional. They're emotionally scarred. Some of these children born these last few years, the so-called COVID era, I've listened to research. I don't even want to get into that, but they're saying that these children will have psychological damage for the rest of their lives. Do you know what? The people who did that to them are going to have to answer. Do you know that? This is not no big deal. Our child was born in that time, Aaron. I'm not saying we're better. I'm telling you, I had a conviction in my spirit from the Holy Spirit. And people would tell us, oh, she's probably not used to children. She was born during COVID. And I would tell them, actually, she has no idea that exists. She's never seen anybody in a mask. This was a conviction from the Holy Spirit that he put inside of me. And I'm responsible to him. Do you understand? Now, we're not perfect. This is not about me and my wife. But without me even understanding, I didn't know the depth of this passage. I hadn't studied it out until this week. But God, three years ago, was teaching me in my spirit these things. That this matters, and it's important, and you're responsible, Joshua. You have to answer to me. So, a a child who's not been harmed, damaged, hurt... I mean, a, a child the way God intended them to be. What are they like? Man, there's something else. They will wear you out, won't they? they? And it depends on the child's temperament. I have a very verbal, talkative child. She's quiet here. But at home, she never stops talking. And most of her talking is asking questions. She wants to know everything. It's amazing to me. There's one thing that God has shown me (laughs) these last few weeks that is overwhelming. This girl asks questions relentlessly, and she expects to be told the answer. I mean, deep answers that sometimes I don't know the answer. The other day, she's... This is not about me and my family. I'm just trying to talk from my heart so we'll understand this message. So now I'm going to stop worrying about that, okay? We're swinging on a swing set. She is. She's looking up at the sky, and she sees an airplane, and she says, Dada, what's those two things streaming out from behind that airplane? And I say, oh, that's the jet stream. Tell me about that. So I start trying to tell her. I'm not an 
uh, aeronautics person, but I start trying to tell her what I think happens with an airplane to make it fly. And then she says, tell me more from the beginning. So then I'm like, well, a little over 100 years ago in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, two brothers named Wilbur and Orville Wright were the first men to take flight. And their airplane was more like a bicycle with some paper wings. She's listening to the whole thing. And then I'm, t- I'm thinking about what I can remember. And then sometime down the road, there was a guy named Charles Lindbergh who made the first flight, as far as I can remember, around the, 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 the world, I think it was. And, and then at some point, somebody developed jet propulsion, and that's what you're watching. And I don't really understand how it works, but what you're seeing is, I think, from what I've read, ice crystals being formed behind those jets because it's so high up in the sky. And then she wants to know if we can go up there and touch the airplane. Then she wants to know how the windows work and if they open and if the people can see us. And I could go on and on, but I want to get back to the the scripture. Do you understand this child has no self-regulation because she hasn't learned that yet. That hasn't been conditioned into her yet. She thinks any question is appropriate to ask anyone who might know the answer. No question is foolish. No question is silly. No question is self-censored like, I I, I should know that so I can't ask. There's none of that. That's what a child's like. That's what Jesus is trying to teach us. That's how he wants us to be with him. How many times do we... I don't want to get ahead of this because we're going to take some time on it later in the message, but how many times do we not ask God because we think we're not supposed to? Because we've had adult program. We should should know the answer to that. We, We should be able to handle that. See, we've been brainwashed. And God says, you need to be like this child. This is not... I mean, this is literal. That's why he took a real child so there would be no doubt and said, you need to be like this. This is not an abstraction. He means literally, he wants us to approach him just like an innocent, pure child would. Which means, Sister Connie, he has everything we need. Amen. He knows everything we need to know. He knows everywhere we need to go. He knows everybody we need to meet. He knows every decision we need to make. He knows every job we need to have. He knows every church we might need to go to. He knows everything we need to eat and drink. He knows everywhere we need to to go every day. He literally knows everything we need. So why, if y'all are anything like me, Are there areas in our life where sometimes he's the last person we ask? Sometimes we just start doing things. We don't ask him at all. I don't think Sister Mildred will mind me telling this. She's a feisty little thing. Sister Mildred who usually sits right over there. And she one day went and got a job at Cracker Barrel just to... to prove she could, just almost to spite her husband. That's what it was. You talk to her, she'll tell you. And then she found out that it was actually more, more, more cost than benefit, that it was going to be harder on her than it was worth. And then she said, then I prayed about it. And then I realized 
this is not what God wanted. And it was not going to work. Now, she is, I won't say her age, but she's, she's much older than I am. She's got more life experience, and she's still struggling with that. That makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> because there's something about us. And some of us, the temperament might be, but all of us have this thing where there, there are areas that we feel like we need to handle. And what God wants, every single thing is to come to Him first. Would, would this please you, Lord? What do you think about this? Now, he might or might not give you a direct answer, but we should still ask him. There's one more layer to this asking that I want to tell you from what I've learned from my daughter. Here's an example. We might be driving somewhere. This happens all the time in the last few weeks. And, and here's how the conversation might go. Hey, there's a, a dog walking over there. Yeah, there is, sweetie. Where do you think he's going? I wonder where he's going. I, I, don't, I don't know where he's going. Ask him. <laughs> well, I, he's over there. I can't ask. No, ask him. Now, that seems silly to us, but she thinks I should be able to ask and I should be able to answer, hear the answer. So you know what I do now? Because otherwise it's going to be a relentless discussion. I ask the dog. I, hey, dog, where are you going? And then he tells me the answer, and I tell her. And that's the end of that discussion until the next one. Now, I'm saying that to say that is how sure God wants us to be that he can tell us the answer. We get a little bit older, and we start thinking certain questions are ridiculous. Like, I think it's silly to ask a dog over there outside my car, a dog, to tell me. I think that's, but she doesn't. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not saying we shouldn't live in reality. I'm saying that's how God wants us to approach Him. Yes. We think there are questions that aren't reasonable to ask God. That is not true. Every question is reasonable to ask God. Everyone. There are no silly questions to ask Him. There are no silly needs. There are no things that you should figure out without bothering Him. Do you know what a good parent wants most? To be um, a strength to their child, to help guide them. A good parent, the, the thing they want most is for that child to come and seek their counsel. God's not, and, he, and He's not like us. He has unlimited resources, unlimited energy within Himself. I don't mean universal resources. I mean He has everything that the whole world needs inside of His own being. So there is no, I don't want to bother him with that. He doesn't get bothered. That's a human emotion, which is a result of our own insufficiency. God doesn't have insufficiency. So there is no question that, she would, that we shouldn't ask him. And I want to make that, that so clear if the Holy Spirit will help me. Do we actually ask? Do we actually ask God? He says, and this is what children do, and before I continue in this, I want to read the passage from Matthew 7. This is familiar. He says, Ask and it will be given. You seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. One translation says, Keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. How many times do we just not ask? 
And then we bemoan that we don't have what we sort of wish we might have gotten, but we never actually asked the Lord. Do you, have any of y'all ever experienced that? Boy, I have. We have this vague wish inside, or a desire, or a worry, and we sort of mention it to the Lord, but we spend more time talking to each other about it. Do we really ask Him? Are we willing to ask Him? You know what it requires for you to really ask God? It requires you to become like a child. It requires a crushing of your pride, your self-sufficiency, your illusion of strength. It requires humility. Any of you men never ask for directions? You remember before we had Google? I didn't ask, I'd go an hour out of the way to not ask for directions. And, and I'll tell you now, now I'm okay admitting it, I'm not good at directions. I have the GPS on my phone and sometimes still miss my turn. And never get lost. I'm not lost, I'm just somewhere other than I thought I should be. <laughs> but you know what? When you ask God, you've got to let go of all that. Amen. It's like asking for direct. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Because sometimes we're not used to it. But we should be. It should... When she asks us questions, it's the most natural thing ever. There's no discomfort. And there won't be until that gets programmed into her from the culture. It's not supposed to be uncomfortable to ask the Almighty, for anything. So part of this message, I pray the Holy Spirit will just help us be comfortable asking Him. If you don't get anything else from this message and you just feel a little more comfortable saying, Hey, Heavenly Father, dear God, please. Whatever. That's part of the point of what we're taught in the Hebrew letter, coming before the throne of God boldly that we may obtain mercy and favor to help in time of need. Why can you come boldly? Because He already knows everything in your heart anyway. Even the things that you're not quite sure, He already knows. There's no reason to hide anything or keep anything or keep it to yourself. He already knows it. We should ask Him everything. Are we willing? Here's something else about asking that's difficult. You know what asking really means? It means you don't know the answer. Are you willing to not know the answer? Are we? Brother Allen, in his testimony, just praised the Lord for how he's working in this church and mentioned, just very candidly, and I experienced it too, we did not know if this church was going to continue to exist, literally. When they asked me to pastor, I told my wife, I don't know why he's placing me there. Maybe it's just to help them disband gracefully. I don't know. Do you understand? God never revealed this to me. And then he started working and he started drawing people. He started moving. But do you know what it required? And I preached on this. It required everybody here to be willing to say, Lord, we don't know what to do. Yes. We thought we did. We were trained that we're right and we need to just keep doing what we've always done and it'll somehow work eventually. But what God began teaching us is keep doing what you've always done is not wisdom. Right. What is wisdom is seeking the Father's will. Amen. 
But it's hard to admit that you don't know the answer. Are you willing to? Are you willing to look silly? Are you willing to humble yourselves before God in that way? Are you willing... You know what else the Hebrew letter says? All things are naked and open before the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. You willing to be emotionally, emotionally naked before God? Completely vulnerable? That's hard. Man, everybody, we all have these walls and shells and they manifest in different ways and we try to protect ourselves. Do you know vulnerability is the greatest strength there is? Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. The only way for God's strength to be present is in the midst of your weakness. His strength can't be manifested when you're strong. The second point. The first point was, do we actually ask? The second point, do we know how to ask? Do you? I've heard honest-hearted saints of God, my sweet grandmother, many times, in her, even in her later years, say, I don't know how to pray. I feel like I just say some words and they don't go anywhere. If you feel that way, sometimes you're in good company. All of us feel that way sometimes. And there's a reason that the Lord's Apostle said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, pray after this manner. He gave them an example. But I want to ask you, do you actually know how to ask? Which scripture clearly teaches us to ask. I think that's been established. Do you know how to ask? Do you? Do you know there's a way in Scripture? Let me read just a portion from Luke 18. This is the parable of the importunate widow. That's an old word we don't use much anymore, but it, boy, it captures it. Or you might say the parable of the persistent woman. Or the parable of the unjust ruler. Just listen to this. Je Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Jesus is trying to teach them persistence in asking. See, we've all been trained, again, by our culture, that you just sort of ask once and not any more than that. You don't want to bother anybody. Here's what Jesus said. In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Do you know how to ask like that? Have you ever had a need that was so real and heavy that you came to the Lord time after time after time after time after time? Because you still needed it. Have you? If you haven't, you will if you want to have a real life. If you want your life to be real, it's gonna, you're going to go through that. And Jesus told us how to handle it. Keep asking. Keep asking. Keep asking until you don't need it anymore. He doesn't say, 
She should get the picture after a little bit. And this is a beautiful example. He, he wants them to understand. This is how an ungodly, unrighteous man reacted. He answered her just so she would quit annoying him. And then he says, he, this picture is here. How much more will the righteous judge answer when you have a deep need? I had something really on my heart lately. I mean heavy. And I, I talked to a friend about it. And he said, how bad do you want it? How bad do you, how bad do you want God's help about this? And this is just what he said. He said, are you willing to miss meals? Are you willing to not see your family for a period of time? To ask God in such a way that you can actually hear what he says? And I want to ask you that, brothers and sisters. I mean... We've lost some things in our culture. When I didn't have a wife and I wanted one, my sweet sister Jemima Setchery, who's not from here, she's from Ghana, a different culture. She said matter-of-factly, I will pray and fast for you. It wasn't a thing. It was just like, this is what Scripture teaches. There are times we need something that is so big that we can't distract ourselves with anything else. Have you ever needed something like that? Do you know how to ask? Sometimes it requires asking like that. Not casually. From a deepest brokenness of utmost need inside of you. Some of the things we worry about, I want to talk, this is from my heart. The God, the God I think is putting this here. Some of you grandmothers or mamas or aunts or sisters who worry about your family members. Do you spend more time worrying about it or asking God? Be honest with yourselves. Sometimes I'm concerned about something and I spend much more time worrying about it and discussing it with wise people than I do simply petitioning the ruler. Amen. By the way, this, this, this situation that was on my heart God answered, and um, as it usually happens, it came in the form of deep personal brokenness and vulnerability. You might think sometimes that somebody in your life that you love is out of line in some way or on the wrong path, and you need to help correct their path. You have some information that will help them. You know what they really need? They need to hear from God. Amen. And I want to tell you something. You don't know what's good for somebody else. Right. We think we do. And there are general truths. There are general things that apply. It's, it's not good for you to walk in front of a speeding truck. Okay? There, there's, but I'm saying specifically, you don't know what a person needs. God does. And so if you want to really help that person, you need to spend less time telling them what you think and more time asking God to show them what He thinks. Some of you older women have lived this. I've heard women talk about when their husband got to a place that he wasn't following God, and they just turned him over to the Lord. You know what? That's what they should have done in the first place, before all the nagging. You know that? Because God is always the answer, the solution. Do you know how to ask? David 
said, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. You know what it meant for him to be delivered from his fears? He had to admit to God that he had fears. Some of us are uncomfortable admitting to God when we're weak, when we're afraid. Psalm 37, verse 4, he says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Sometimes you don't get the desires of your heart because what your heart desires isn't anything to do with God. He says, delight yourself in the Lord and you'll get your heart's desires. That's why these, these uh, man, I don't even know what to call them, these religious charlatans who teach things like, name it and claim it in faith. You just ask God, Scripture says right here, hold Him to His promise. He'll do it, says it right here. They don't understand. the. Maybe they understand it and they're lying. I don't know. But they don't get the big picture. The big picture is there's a condition of the heart that's required. There's humility that's required. And there is at the same time that you ask God with absolute persistent sincerity. No reservations. Lord, I need this. At the very same moment, there's a parallel recognition that He knows what you need and it might not be that. When Jesus prayed and he was uh, dripping sweat, great drops of blood, and he prayed, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. That was the most sincere, deep, broken, entreating request that maybe was ever prayed to the Father. God, let this not happen. And at the very same moment, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Do you see? That's how we ask God. And the only way we have at once in our spirit an insistence on our deepest need and a complete surrender to God's will, the only way we can do that is with the Holy Spirit. I like this verse from Isaiah 30. O people in Zion who dwell in Jerusalem, you'll weep no more. He will be gracious when you cry for help. When he hears, he'll answer you. Sometimes we want God to be gracious without us having to cry out. Are you willing to cry out? That's Isaiah 30, verse 19. He will be gracious when you cry for help. You know, when I was not saved yet, the thing that prevented me from being saved. I did not want people to see me cry. Y'all can tell I don't worry about that now. You know what God showed me years later? I'm already preaching and He shows me this passage that says, The wicked through the pride of His countenance will not seek after God. My face was keeping me from salvation. Isn't that something? Talk about vanity. I didn't even realize I had it. And one more example of this. 1 John 3.22 We will receive from Him whatever we ask. You say, well, that sounds like what you said you don't believe. No, I do believe it. We'll see, receive whatever we ask. But then here's the rest of it. Because we keep His commandments and do what's pleasing in His sight. He's going to answer those things you ask when you're living in a surrendered way to Him. The rest of it's just your own messed up life and you might not want Him to answer it. 
Have you all ever prayed things that you're glad God didn't answer when you look back on it? I have. I asked for something I thought I needed, and I look back years later and I say, boy, I'm glad he didn't give me that answer, that prayer. I mean, that was foolish. A good example of that, all these people praying to win the lottery. Nobody's happier after they win the lottery. I'm, really, there's studies on this. They end up, many of them end up committing suicide. Do you know that? And if they don't, they're hiding from everybody because all the relatives they didn't know they had are going to come out of the woodworks and want some of it. That's not a good prayer to have answered. Amen. Let's keep going. I've got two more points on this. Do we actually ask? Do we know how to ask? Are we in a position to ask? The Lord says in John 14, 13, He says, Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The next verse, He says, If you'll ask anything in my name, I will do it. Boy, that sounds like you can get whatever you want. On the surface, it might sound that way, but listen to the rest. If you ask in my name, and... If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. And then in the next chapter, John 15, 7, he says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it will be done for you. God gives the desires of the hearts to his obedient children who are abiding in his will, who are surrendered to him. And even then, sometimes God knows better. This is why we need to look at all of Scripture when we try to understand a particular verse because a lot of people are troubled by, I have asked the Lord sincerely. I have begged Him. I have surrendered this to Him and He still hasn't answered me. And if that bothers you, two things I want to say. One, welcome to being human. But also, if that still bothers you, you're not fully surrendered to what God wants. And I'm not saying that with criticism. I'm just saying that's what Scripture teaches. That I've been there. That Paul, when he said, I prayed three times for this thorn to be removed from my flesh. These weren't casual prayers. He prayed with the utmost sincerity of surrendered desire. And God responded and said, no. You know that? Let me ask you. When you ask God something, are you willing for Him to say no? If you're not willing for him to say no, you're not asking from the right heart. You know that? He said, he said to him, my grace is made complete or perfect in your weakness. My strength is sufficient. Paul learned a lesson that he could not have understood when he was existing in his own strength. And it would have been more convenient for that thorn to be removed, whatever it was. But God was trying to teach him a deeper lesson. I will sustain you in the midst of pain, in the midst of distraction. By the way, David understood that as well, King David. He said, thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Isn't that beautiful? You know what we want? God, take all my enemies away. Take away the distractions, take away the problems, take away the... God says, I'm going to sustain you in the middle of all of it. 
They're not going away, but you're going to have what you need. Are we in a position to ask? When we ask, are we surrendered to the Lord? Are we asking in His will? Are we asking in His name? And I told some younger people this recently who were trying to figure out whether something was okay. They were coming at it from a legalistic standpoint. Am I allowed to do that thing? And I said, how about you approach it from a different way? Instead of what can you get by with, why don't you just sincerely ask God if he's pleased with you doing it? It's much more simple. It's so much more simple. Lord, is this pleasing to you? Will you be happy if I do this? And then see what he says. Why don't we ask him? Like, my little girl asked the dog going down the road where it's going. That's how God wants us to... He can actually answer us. He says, I want you to be like this child. This is what he's talking about. Lord, do you want me to take this job? How do you feel? Lord... Do you want me to marry this person? How do you feel? How about small things? Lord, should I eat this or should I not have this right now? Now, he's not going to answer every single... Because then there's no faith. These people that say God tells them every single moment, they're, they're, I don't know, if crazy or delusional or they're wrong. I'll say that. God's not going to answer every single thing because there would not be a life of faith. But you're not going to know what he might answer until you ask him. The final point, do we know how to listen? Once you ask God, once once you're willing to ask, once you do your best to ask in the right way, and once your heart is in a position to ask, then what? Are you okay waiting until he answers? Y'all ever ask God for something for years? In your Sunday school lesson, Brother Steve this morning, he said, there are some things I'm asking for. By the way, he did not know what I was going to preach. He said, there are some things I'm asking for that have not been answered yet. Any of y'all felt that way? Yes. That's okay. Some things can't be answered right then. Because the, the need to be filled, it's not the right time yet. Do we know what to do after we ask? And I don't have a real, this, I don't have a neat, clear answer for this one. I'm just asking you do, do you, do you know what to do after you ask? Jesus says, be like this child. Well, my child asks and then waits for the answer. Now, while she's waiting, she's usually asking five more times. And, tell me, Dada, tell me, tell me, Dada, Dada, tell me. And I say, I'm trying to. I haven't had a chance yet. But I don't get mad. God's not going to be mad if you ask, 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 ask. But he might need you to take a breath and listen. <laughs> Lord, I need it, I need it, I need it, I need it, I need it. And he's going. (laughs) If you're just listening to the audio, I'm making that movement. Like I'm trying to say something, but every time I start to answer, you interrupt me. 
How many times do we do that? And I'm not, you see, I'm smiling. I'm, I'm, God's not upset at us about this. He's so loving. But when you ask him something and you pour out your desperation before him, then you can sit back and wait for him to answer. This, this burden I alluded to, you know what? After I prayed about it, and felt some help from the Lord and had a very vulnerable conversation with the person that was on my heart, I am completely free from all the worries I had. I'm not worried about it at all. And I could not say that until now. Some of y'all that are worrying about your loved ones, your family members, different things, you need to stop worrying and start asking. And then once you really ask, be quiet and listen. Your life will be so much more peaceful. And this is somebody talking to you who's not good at this. This is, not, this is hard for me, and yet it's so much better when the Lord helps you get to that point. Ask. That's the simple title of the message. Ask. Ask. That's what I had on my heart. I love y'all. Um, let's get a song ready. Just maybe sing a verse or two. And Sometimes it's good to give a moment for the message to sink in and see if anybody feels a leading from the Lord. If we could do that. And I want to say, I don't ever know who's listening. I can't see your hearts, unlike God. I don't know how this has affected you or what you need to do. There might be somebody who's not saved who, who needs to ask God for that. And do you know something? It's not supposed to be complicated. It's not supposed to be. Jesus said the way is narrow. He didn't say it's impossible. I mean, he said with God, this is possible. He says, you know the way. He says, I'm the way. Come through me. So I don't know why we tend to make it so complicated. It's not complicated. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's true if you're seeking salvation, but it's also true if you're saved and you're just seeking an answer. He's the answer. He's going to give it to you. That's it. God bless you all.